Again, we open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 9 through 11. We're going to look at the context. We're going to think of it all a little more than we do sometimes in terms of the the, the verses that we're all looking at tonight. But I'm still honing in on verse 11 and a phrase in verse 11. That's what I particularly am looking at uh, driving home. And I I intend for this sermon, and I hope it will be extremely encouraging and extremely empowering and liberating for you. It's a, it's a positive, small, uh, at least I was motivated reading not too long ago from Derek Thomas's article in the book uh, about Satan, our ancient foe. And I shared a lot of really great stuff with you about mortification of sin Wednesday night with our study with Thomas Watson. And this just something he said really struck me. I'll share it with you later. Um, really encouraging, really motivating. And I, I hope you'll find that to be the case. First Corinthians six. 9 through 11. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. What I really want to hone in on tonight is that phrase at the beginning. And such were some of you. That's not an accusation in the contest. What we'll recognize is that is emancipation. Such were some of you. The implication, you no longer are. That is not who you are. That is not your identity. We'll, we'll consider a little bit of what comes before and implications of that. But we think about that. Such were. Were. Past. It's over. No longer the case presently. No longer to be the case in the future. I don't know about you, but I tend to think caterpillars are kind of ugly. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say that. Some of God's creation, perhaps affected by the fall, who can know? But uh, let's just say they're not one of those creatures I tend to invite on my hand and want to pet, you know. <laughs> but when they go through a metamorphosis, what do they become? A completely different creature. Beautiful butterflies. Or we, we one of the few words I've learned in Portuguese, boboletas, right? Beautiful butterflies. No longer munching leaves on a tree branch, but drinking nectar from flowers. No longer inching along branches, but fluttering through the air. And if one comes near me and wants to land on me, I'm I'm okay with that. (laughs) So Paul speaks of you, Christian. 2 Corinthians 5.17, you are a new creature. See, see, you and I have a hard time believing we're not still caterpillars. Munching the same old leaves, climbing the same old branches. But you are new creatures. You are butterflies. You are drinking the nectar of flowers. You are flying in the air with beautiful, amazing colors. You are a new creature. The old is gone, Paul says. The new has come. 
Or as he says in our text tonight, Christians are no longer whatever the world and their sinful patterns defined them as because their identity now is in Christ and marked by his spirit. And so they can and do live differently. I give that to you again as the, as the idea of what we're looking at, honing in on this phrase, such were some of you, in its context. Christians are no longer whatever the world and their sinful patterns defined them as because their identity is now in Christ and marked by his spirit. And so they can and do live differently. We're called to live differently. We all know this. But we tend to make excuses for why we don't with our pet sins. Remember what we learned Wednesday night with Watson? Uh, we went over to Derek Thomas and we have our sins, our pet sins. And whatever those are, uh, we take care of them like the pets we love so much. We went back and saw how Watson says, those kinds of sins you never give up. They're your darlings, you know. We always have an excuse. We always have a, a way of explaining them away. But we have to remember the, 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 the indicative, the command is based on the imperative. No, excuse me, the imperative, the command that is, is based on the indicative. You can't be commanded to do something you're not capable of. Well, you can, but you, not in Christ. He tells you to do things because he's made you able to do things because he's made you a whole new person. We tend to still live like we're the old person, but we can maybe do a little bit better because we're Christians, I guess, right? Greg Kunkel brought this phrase out to me in an article years ago. And uh, I think of this verse tonight related to what Derek Thomas said in the book that I'll share with you later. Uh, Greg Kunkel from Stand to Reasons, Apologetic Ministries, in his article, article called Nature or Nurture, we have it on our website within an article that I've done referring to it, he shares empirical evidence that demonstrates people who identify with or practice homosexuality are not a product of their biology, but often rather their environment. And by the way, if you look and see what the studies show, uh, there's a pretty standard uh, environmental situation. In particular, it determined by with whom they identify. Now, that's one of the things that comes up twice in our text, homosexuals, effeminate, uh, or as it says, um, uh, abusers of themselves with mankind. It would seem to suggest maybe even slaves, you know, officially, you know, being sold or doing this for a living. And Kunkel's, Kukul's bringing that up because the big argument with the homosexual movement is I was born this way, right? The anthems of the pop stars is I was born this way. It's who I am. You can't tell me not to be who I am. And we have nonsense in the PCA where there's tolerated for too long a church, I believe in St. Louis, where the pastor says, well, we're not practicing homosexuals, but I identify as homosexual. It is my nature urge. As long as I don't do anything, it's not wrong. But if you look at people who study the, excuse me, the movement, what you learn is plenty of them are doing it also. Because when we identify ourselves a certain way, we identify and we choose to excuse it. And you can't argue that, Kugel points out, if you're trying to talk in the context of Christianity and reality, that is, with the Bible and the church. Because as he points out, Paul says that some of the Corinthian Christians were homosexuals, but now they are not. 
It's based on behavior and practice. It's not based on some DNA biological thing you have no control over. See, but if you believe that, then you don't have any, you don't believe you have any control and you can't control it or you won't, which Satan wants you to believe. You'll make no progress. Beloved, I'm not the most experienced minister, but you have tolerated me for nearly 14 years now, going on 14. And I'm telling you, people want to believe the labels about themselves. They want to believe that it has something to do with their very DNA. And therefore, though they want to try to control it, they know they really can't when it comes down to it. And they believe that and they excuse themselves for it. But Kukul points out, Paul says they were not born that way and they gave up the past lifestyle just as they did others who were adulterers and fornicators, we see in the text. We had a young man here for years. His father used to say, I don't believe a man can be married to one woman. We're not, we're not made that way. Men have to be with all these different women. What a load of nonsense. But you say it enough and people believe it enough, you start doing that. They give up those identities that came with those lifestyles because it isn't who you are. It's who you were and who you were wasn't some kind of conversation about something in you that you can't control. It was about how you gave full control to these sinful lifestyles. You become called this or that based on your constant habit of behavior, not because of some identity that a label gets put on you, but because of what you did all the time. Beloved, how wonderful for all of us to have an entirely new life identity and thus an entirely new lifestyle in Jesus Christ. Again, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And we focus on the phrase again this evening in verse 11. And such were some of you. Such were. Paul's acknowledging and recognizing, well, this is who you were as it relates to behavior, your lifestyle, the people you hung out with. I mean, you identified yourself with you. By the way, the homosexual movement, the biggest issue is your identity, who you identify with. It's all about identifying with someone. But it's true for all these sins, isn't it? Whatever they are, we have our group of people we want to go hang out with and be that. Paul says that's in the past. That's done. That's not you. That's done. That's the past. Our past, our past sins, our past sinful desires and lusts no longer define us today. No longer direct us today. They no longer can identify with any of the sinful habits, the sinful addictions or lifestyles. You can't identify with that anymore. Look at what they are labeled today. This is not comprehensive. This is an example of things. But look at verses 9 and 10. Let's, let's just go through them for a moment. This is who you were, but this is who you no longer are. The unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators. Who's not going to inherit the kingdom of God? Fornicators. Habitual fornication. That's what you're like. I just saw a YouTube video came across my computer. Somebody, it was a lady actually saying, I became a sex addict all the time. We need to get this listed in the equivalent of what the American is, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. This needs to be labeled a disorder. No, whatever the problem was, and it sounded like there were real problems that led to it, it's not a disorder. It's a sinful addiction, a behavior pattern. 
don't want to negate or make light of many of the things that can lead to that and keep it in that. But let's deal with what it really is. Fornicators. That's what you were. Not anymore. Idolaters. We don't seem to have that in the diagnostic and statistical manual. I guess it's okay to be. That's not a sickness and that's not an ism. Yeah, but Paul's labeling it idolaters. And we know, of course, what is particularly idolatry? Covetousness. You're not going to see anybody say that's sinful or wrong. But Paul does. Nor adulterers. It's not okay. You can't say you just have this urge you can't control and go around with other people's wives or husbands all the time while you leave yours at home. You can't make an excuse that you have a problem. No, you have a sin problem. And that's not you anymore. It's not your life. It's not who you are in Christ. Nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Well, we like to go to this one. That's more comfortable, right? At least in a conservative church, I would think. The homosexuals, the transgender movement, all these transvesticism, all these things going on right now. The non-binary movement is out of control and is absolutely looking to take over everything. Make no mistake. But that's kind of easy for us to, to look at. I'm going to breeze over that other than just recognize the connection with Kugel's article. That's what you were. Because what's the big argument? You can't tell me that's not what I am. It's who I am within. No, it's what you were, which means you're not now. Which means it was an identification of yourself based on your sinful choices and patterns, not based on who you are inwardly. Other than the fact that you're a sinner. We're all sinners. And outside of Christ, we're in Adam. We are just sinners. But in Christ, we're saints. We'll get back to that. Verse 10, North Thebes don't seem to, I guess there are probably uh, labels for, you know, kleptomaniac, is it? Or, you know, people who just, I just can't stop stealing. I just can't stop. I just have this urge. Uh, no, you've developed this habit. It didn't start like this. You've fed it. And it takes a while to take it out and get the beast to leave you alone nor covetousness, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, those who steal again, shall inherit the kingdom of God. These labels no longer control us, Paul says. If you're in Christ, none of that is a label that applies to you. By the way, notice all the other labels relate to the thing like drunkard. It doesn't say alcoholic. It says drunkard. We put an ism to it, and now it's no longer really a sin. And it's something that has power over us rather than we have power over it. We control it. It doesn't control us. This doesn't make light of the fact that you battle these things all your life. We saw this Wednesday night. Derek Thomas said that you're going to be doing this all your life. Killing the tree and keeping it down and under bay. But you can. You control it. It doesn't control you. But if we live like we think we're a victim with such labels, we're always afraid. We're always shaking. And the littlest thing trips us up. And we just at least take the world's lead and try to excuse ourselves. Shrink rather than grow. Those labels no longer control us. Rather, the love of Christ constrains us, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. And what is love of Christ? He says, keeping my commands. And his commands are, don't do all these things. It's not you. 
Don't do it. Stop doing it. Don't make a habit of it. You slip, get up, stop. Don't make excuses, do better. So your identity is in Christ and none of this world's isms. They're not you. Your identity is not a, a whatever ick. I'm a liar ick. Hi, my name's Grant. I'm a, I just can't, I have to lie. I have to, I just can't do it. It's in me. I don't have any control. Hopefully I can keep it at bay, you know, put a little Christian wrapping paper around it and, you know, keep myself with enough toilet paper wrapped around me. I can kind of keep it at bay, but that's who I am. I can't control it. No, that's not. That's who you were, Paul says. It's not who you are now. It's just not. This is the Lord speaking. This is the word of God. Thus saith the Lord. And beloved, we don't believe it because we go to the priests of our culture. We let the psychiatrists control us. We let the sociologists control us. We let the world control us. We don't let Jesus Christ control us. We live like he's the liar. It would have been a sinful habit, but it no longer is. You do not define, nor uh, it does not define. These things listed do not define. They do not have power over you. You more and more kill the old self and its desires. Let me ask you this. Former fornicators, do you identify still as fornicators? And so you say, can you ever look at a woman now? Effeminate abusers of themselves, homosexuals. Do you say, I can't even shake the hand of a man now? Drunkards can't take the Lord's Supper at a church like ours. Angry man with a temper can't handle to debate now. You are not under that old identity. It is not in you. It was a label on you. Now, naturally, take this disclaimer. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 33 applies. Look there with me. Actually, I think I might have, uh, I think it might be 2 Corinthians 5, 33. Excuse me, because I'm not seeing it there. I apologize. Sometimes I do that to you. If not, I can, I can give you the gist of it. Yeah, somehow, excuse me, I have given the wrong scripture reference. But it is Corinthians, and Paul says, Don't be deceived. Corrupt communications. It'll give you bad manners, right? The people you hang around. But it's the people you hang around. It's the people you identify that cause you to abuse yourself and abuse other things and other people. That's the thing you got to watch out for. But if you choose to identify as any in this list, let me ask you, do you identify with anything in this list according to the way the modern labels go? Here's the danger to watch out for. And of course, these, these labels change all the time. By the way, I've told you before, homosexuality in the diagnostic and statistical manual that the psychiatrists use, it used to be called a disease. Well, it's not now. Why? Oh, well, the homosexuals don't want that. I wouldn't call it a disease either. It's sin. But you see what I'm saying? They change all the time. How sad for you if you identify with anything here because your final end, verse 9, back to uh, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? And then verse 10. Nor extortioners, all of these things shall inherit the kingdom of God. None of them shall inherit the kingdom of God. 
You don't want to be identifying with the labels of the world, pretending that it's something that you have you can't control. Because Jesus says, control yourself as creatures and new creatures in Christ. And these kind of habitual patterns that you take no victory over or development over, if that's who you want to be, you will not be in heaven. If you want to make excuses and let yourself be under this kind of control... Paul says that's who you were, it's not who you are now. Notice all these sinful habits are not lopped into the main category of disorders. All these things that are listed are not lopped into the main category of sicknesses, but sin. They're under the umbrella of sin that should not be what you think controls you anymore. But you control it and you build victory over it. Verse 9, what is the ultimate way it's referred to? The ultimate umbrella? Know ye not that the unrighteous. All these things are not listed as isms. They're not listed as labels that you can't control. They're called being unrighteous. Unrighteousness is, the, is sin. Sin is the transgression of God's law. Sin is unrighteousness. First John. That's what these things are labeled. And I hear so many Christians just reflect the world, reflect psychology, which is trying to teach you there is no God and you're never guilty. And they want to keep you in your sins. Why? Because they make a lot of money over you when you never get better. Unrighteous. Sickness is not under someone's control. But these things are forbidden. Sins have to stop. You know, if you recall all of the quotations I gave you in a, through a few e-newsletters a while ago now, e-devotions, up on Pastor Polt's posts on our website, so often... All these different authors in this book, uh, uh, How Shall We Stand, I think it's called the, the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, with the beginning of the Cambridge Declaration in the 90s. So many of them were saying the problem is today people want to come to church for therapy. They don't want to come for theology. They want to come to feel good, not be good. They want to come to be rebuilt up, to be remade. They don't want to come to repent. And the church has basically given in to that. But the problem is it doesn't empower you to be anything else but a victim all your life. And lack growth and happiness in the Lord all your life. And experience victory. Experience the reality of what the Bible says. In Christ, you are more than conquerors. Because of who you no longer are. Instead, who you now are. Not a victim, but more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Living out that identity in the way. Rather than your old way of thinking of yourself and living under it. Here is who you are again, beloved. Second Corinthians 517. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 
1 Peter 2 verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm having kind of a memory I'm going to bring in here. I remember when I was back in Buffalo, New York in college. Uh, no, I think it was Pittsburgh, actually. I remember uh, a certain Christian counseling kind of group uh, people I were talking with. They were, they were talking what they believed in, like a generational thing with sin. Like if your parents have sinned in these things and have these guilty, it somehow comes on to you and in you the next generation. It, it's like this thing that you can't get free of. I mean, what is that? That's not the word of God. That's slavery. But how do you see it manifested? Well, my own man was like this, you see. So it's in my blood. It's no, really, I think it's part of it's genetics. It's not genetics. It's environmental. You've learned this behavior all your life. You've learned how to act like this. And then you've made it your own. Oh, we all have our different dispositions. We all have our different leanings. But we learn these things. The power of environment and a horrible environment. We've got to be educated by Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit his world word and break out of it. Freedom. Freedom. Yeah, I can't help myself. Freedom. Right. John 8 verse 36. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Yeah, except right here I am in chains. I'll never be over it. I just have to try to do as best I can not to let it take over me. I have these long bouts where I won't be in church. No one ever sees me. No, you are free indeed. Do you believe Jesus or not? You were that. You're not now. You were slaves. You're free now. You know, a slave walks a certain way. A free man walks a completely different way. And it starts with, I know who I am. I know what I am. You are Christians. You are in Christ. Romans 6, 14 and 18. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. And of course, that means not under the law's condemnation. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. That's an empowering good news, beloved. It's not how the church treats people who want to let their whatever their ism is control their whole lives and frankly direct the church half the time and how they're supposed to minister to them. Freedom, freedom in Christ, free indeed. I'm not that anymore. Shut up, Satan. I want you to turn with me, please, to Ephesians chapter 2. Right after Galatians, Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look at a few chapters here. We're just going to read through briefly here. Ephesians 2, first I want to read 1 to 7. Ephesians 2, 1 to 7. Notice this complete change of identity. Therefore, complete change of power. Who has power over you and the kind of power you have? 
And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Notice that's a now thing. He's, he's looking ahead, but he's saying your lives are hid with Christ right now in heaven. Colossians 3 is similar parallel. And I'll get to that in a moment. In the past, this was you. It's not you now. See, Satan wants to tell you, no, that's still you. And if you believe him, you will act like it. But what does this lead into? The lovely verses that follow we know so well. Verses 8 through 10. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Look ahead to chapter 4 with me. Ephesians chapter 4. Starting with verse 22, Ephesians 4, 22, 22 to 24, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You see that the way you think, it's always the way you think about Christ, the way you think about yourself in Christ or not. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Thinking about that transformation of your mind, remember Romans 12, verse 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you know what God's will is, the right way to live. That word transform in the Greek is, where, is the word for metamorphosis. Put off the old man. It's not you anymore. Oh, yeah, until heaven, he's always going to try to take over, kill him, put him to death. That's the language Paul uses. Not, well, you know, let's sit down and have a therapy session with him and let's try to understand how I feel about the kill him. He's not allowed in your house. He's not allowed on your bookshelf and he's not allowed to have his children play with yours. Put on the new man. As he says in Romans, put on Jesus Christ. Put more of who you are on now. Which is not who you were. Particularly, I want to draw your attention to chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. Ephesians 5, 7 and 8. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness. Darkness. 
But now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Why does he tell you to walk as children of light? Because that's who you are now. You were children of darkness. You're not anymore. Don't lie to yourself. Don't let others lie to you about yourself. You were partakers. You were darkness. But now you're light in the Lord. Therefore walk like it. You were, Paul says, such were some of you these things. You took these labels upon you and let them modernize it to sound good. No more. Colossians 3, 9 to 10. Ye have put off the old man with his deeds. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. You've been renewed in the image of God in Christ. If that be true... None of those things have power or dominion over you, as he says elsewhere. Sin doesn't have dominion over you. It's not who you are. It's not your label. That's not who you are. You are in Christ. And Derek Thomas, uh, again, was what uh, motivated me in the chapter I read, uh, shared with you a lot on Wednesday night with our study with Thomas Watson on killing sin and mortification of sin. That is praying and deliver me from evil, the evil of sin. The article is called The World, the Flesh and the Devil in the book Our Ancient Foe, uh, the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, PNR Publishing. And he's relating his chapter to Colossians 3 verses 1 through 11. And he says, this it was just a short sentence in the midst of most of it talking about we have to kill sin I just found this incredibly encouraging and empowering and I think we don't hear it enough so I want to share it with you he says if you believe in Jesus you are a saint God reckons you to be holy and set apart in Christ. Realize that, and this part is in italics, we are able to deal with sin. We are able to deal with sin. We master it. It doesn't master us. We control it. Yes, it doesn't go away. We got to control. We control it. It doesn't control us. Not anymore. It's not who we are. Here, these words, such were some of you. Whatever be those tendencies, you think it might be a slave of such were some of you. Not anymore. Why? Because who you are in Christ who you are in the spirit of Christ. Go back with me to 1 Corinthians 6. Verse 11. Such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified. What? In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of God. You have Jesus Christ who sits on his throne ruling over you. Ruling in you. How? By his spirit, the spirit of Christ within you, ready to bear his fruits in you, which are the opposite of who you were in terms of not your biological identity from birth, but your sinful habits that you birthed in your life by habit and practice and excuses and labels of this world that the church has too happily put upon you, which they don't want to recognize are actually chains on you. 
But of course, the other reason the church tends to do this, beloved, is then they feel they can wash their hands of you and send you to the professionals. When in fact, they have the word of God and they should be helping you change your life. It's a lot of hard work. You are in Christ. You have the spirit of Christ in you. That is not you. That was you. It's not now. Because of what Paul said happened to you also in the past that controls your present and your future and your destiny. Hear this. You are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified. Well, don't essentially say in response to that. Well, not yet. I'm not really sure. I'm not, I'm not sure it's enough. You don't understand. I have this thing in me. I don't have control. I just have to try to, I don't know, do some things to keep from getting out of control. But it, no. Philippians 4.13 says, I'm pretty sure your Bible says the same thing. Mine does. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And what is the context? I can learn how to be content no matter the circumstance, which is basically what everybody's doing with all of those quote-unquote isms according to the world, sinful behaviors and lifestyles and habits according to the scriptures, dealing with our lack of contentment. I can do all things in Christ. I can learn to be content no matter what, whether I have a little or whether I have a lot. That includes saying no to impulses that were built over time until they have a very small voice in your life. That's called the old man. And Paul says more of the new man must come on more of Christ. Don't live as if you are under the spell of verses 9 and 10 with modern labels. Call it what it is and kill it. Kill the old man. That's not you anymore. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's not me anymore. Don't live as if you're under a spell and incapable of controlling yourself. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5 is what? Temperance, self-control. I just can't control it. I just can't control my thinking. I just can't stop thinking. Yes, you can. And you are commanded to by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount and Paul in Philippians. Don't be anxious. Take no thought of these things. Have the peace of God in Christ and the God of peace will be within you. Therefore, the words I can't with controlling yourself must not be in your vocabulary. It's false. It's not the facts. Maybe not a life of habitual sin has identified you, though. And this isn't the direct context, but let me say this. Maybe your sense of identity is not about habitual sins. At least in, maybe it is in terms, though, of how you've sinfully allowed people to identify you. Maybe how some have identified you as stupid over the years or ugly or fat or a nerd or trash. No good. And you've believed them. And you've taken that as your identity. And lived it out. That's not in Christ. Let whatever that is be who you were. According to what you let people teach you. And kill it. You have believed on Christ now. 
You used to believe that you believe on Christ now. And so with whatever identity you were a slave to before, you are now free to live as the sons and daughters of God Almighty. And whatever the previous sinful patterns and identity by the habit, here's what you say. Oh man, what a wonderful thing to say. That's not me anymore. I'm not that man anymore. I'm not that woman anymore. I'm a Christian now. I'm in Christ. My identity is in Christ. You know, may it be that people see you, maybe you haven't seen them for a few decades, and you're a different person. I didn't even recognize you. You look like that person. You don't act like that person. That's not me. That man's dead. That woman's dead. I'm in Christ now. And it's freedom. Wouldn't you like it to come along? I think I've shared with you a while ago. Let me share with you again because it's striking to me. Kirk Douglas shares the story about his Russian father quitting cigarettes. He writes this in the New York Times. My father, a Russian peasant, came to this country in 1910. Like all of his pals, he smoked. It's hard for me to picture my father without a cigarette in his mouth. After many years of smoking, my father was told by his doctor that he would die of cancer if he did not stop smoking. So he quit cold turkey. Here's how he did it. He always carried one cigarette in the breast, breast of his pocket of his shirt. And when he felt the urge to smoke, he'd take the cigarette out and look at it fiercely. And with a growl, he would say in his Russian accent, Who's stronger? You? Me? He'd glare at the cigarette, I'm stronger! And he put the cigarette back in his pocket. Forgive my terrible Russian accent, but you get the idea. It's an ongoing battle, no doubt about it, but you already have the victory in Christ. You look at whateverism and say, who's stronger? Christ is stronger. I am in Christ. I'm a new creature. And don't keep it in your pocket. Leave it behind you in the dirt. Step on it where it belongs and move on. Move on with your life right where you are. You do not have to feel like you are a victim to your past identity or habits, and certainly not that they are some kind of ism from within you from before you were born. It is not in you. It just was you. Because it was the way you acted and lived so much you become identified with it and the people who are your companions in it. It's not you. Such were some of you, Paul writes tonight. And that's, again, the thing to emphasize here. Such were some of you. The opposite is implied. Not now. Such were some of you. But now, Christian, live a life of victory in Jesus. For in him, you are no longer who you were. And that is the empowering, liberating message for you from the text this evening, beloved in Christ. You are no longer who you were.
Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have delivered us from sin and the power and dominion of sin and identifying with Satan and this world. We are now in the world, but not of it. We are free indeed. New creatures, the old is gone. The new is come. In you, Lord Jesus, we are no longer who we were. And we are free to live your way in Christ indeed. Increase our faith, O Lord Jesus, and bless our walk, Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name and all your Christians 